So today we are going to begin a new four-week series I've told you about called Devoted. And today as we do this, I trust that we will learn more about uh, what God has for us in these next few Sundays. And throughout this series, we're going to look into the lives and routines of the early church as seen in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, a familiar portion of Scripture that we can learn from, and uh, I trust that we can learn something new out of this as well. As you may know, the early church understood something about gathering together that churches and communities of faith have been modeling for hundreds of years. I would argue that the secret to their success came down to one thing, devotion, being devoted. Now, when you hear the word devotion or devoted, what comes to mind? What comes to mind when you think of devotion or devoted? Uh, Do you think of these two people, Danny Zuko and Sandra Olson in Greece, when she starts singing, hopelessly devoted to you? Maybe some of you (laughs) are going, what is that? Anyway. Or, you know, maybe it's the sports fans who are devoted to their team despite their performance. And the San Fr- uh, Sacramento uh, Kings basketball team, it's been 72 years without a championship for that poor franchise. <laughs> 72 years. Well, the Portland Trailblazers, we've been uh, 46 years without a championship. So, yeah. And now we don't have Lillard anymore. So who knows what's going to happen? Avid sports fans, you've seen them a lot. You see one behind me already. They show their devotion to their team in costume and enthusiasm, like this Baltimore Ravens fan. I have no idea. This guy scares me. Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. There he is. Or maybe even these guys from the back in the day, Washington Redskins, right? The hogs that they talked about. Or maybe this fanatic Dolphins fan. Scary guy. Scary guy. Anyway, the word devotion or devoted is a powerful one. It means to consistently show strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, to endure, to persist, to stay in a fixed direction, being steadfast, being loyal. That's what devotion or being devoted is. And the early church was unwaveringly devoted in their commitment to gathering together. And Acts chapter 2, verse 42 highlights four specific things they did when they got together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, behind me there on the screen, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the, uh, and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And in this passage, we learn how the earliest church was devoted and committed to those things, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. In fact, these four specific elements continue to be key pieces of church services to this very day, the teaching and preaching that you have from the pulpit and also in Sunday school classes. You've got the fellowship time that you have before service and after service downstairs when we go downstairs after this. You have the breaking of bread as we have communion once a month, first Sunday of the month, and prayer, of course, throughout our service, as well as on Thursdays, we have a specific time of prayer gathering as well. All these things are still key pieces of church services and church ministry as well. And as a quick note of comparison, I want you to think about something you are absolutely committed to doing every day in your life. Think of something that you're just totally committed to 
every day in your life. Something that has become such a deeply ingrained habit that it's simply become part of who you are. Now, some of you are thinking some things, but maybe you're thinking of uh, you know, breathing. <laughs> breathing, you're addicted to breathing, and that's something you do every day, of course. But what's something you do every day? Devotion's nice, yes. I've talked to you about uh, how I pray for my kids. And I pray for them every day, and I'm reminded of that with my watch as it goes off, and just you saw me just now tap it, and it was 11.11, so that was for Brianna to be praying for her uh, at 11.11 each day. And it helps me be able to do that, and each day I'm, I'm committed and devoted to praying for my kids each day. And then from that, of course, grandchildren, their families as well, too, but uh, it comes at that point. Praying for our kids has been a key thing for Becky and I ever since we let go of Brianna going off to college. It's like, okay, no one else is here now. <laughs> we need to be praying for them because we're not going to be much of an influence face-to-face uh, -face anymore. Um, so we need to trust God's going to continue to guide them. You see, the, the, the things we are devoted to will define who we are. The things that we are devoted to will define who we are. And the church that formed just after the death and resurrection of Christ was absolutely devoted to their faith. In fact, their faith has defined them for centuries as we constantly look to their example for inspiration as well as instruction. As I mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it highlights several things the church was specifically devoted to doing whenever they gathered together. And those four things were teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And each week through this series, we're going to look at one specific area of devotion that the Acts Church was committed to. And today, we begin our exploration with teaching, devoted to teaching. So let me share some aspects of teaching with you today. And I trust that this will guide us and, and give us a, a deeper uh, understanding of this portion of what the early church was committed to. Now, the specific gift of teaching is found throughout the New Testament. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we learn from the Gospel of Matthew that He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Teaching was a key component of Jesus' ministry. He taught the disciples. He taught in parables. He taught people as throughout just everyday life. And as he went to those people, it wasn't just bringing healing and all that. He also taught them about the kingdom of God, what that was all, all about. And then later in the book of Ephesians, Paul includes teachers as gifts given by God for the equipping of the church. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 11, says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach, in, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So teachers are part of the team who help lead us to unity, lead us to maturity, and the fullness of faith. Teachers, big things, incredible, incredibly important to us. 
Just think about it. <laughs> in school, you wouldn't have, or if you're homeschooled, your, your, your parents, your mom, or whoever, you would not have learned a lot of different things that you know today. You would have learned from hard knocks, I guess, and life would, would have taught you, uh, but you've learned the things you know of that, that are today, that you go through, that you use, that you are knowledgeable about. Someone taught you that. Someone taught you that. So teachers, big part, part of the team, help us and lead us, as this verse tells us, into unity, maturity, and fullness of faith. Now, that leads us then to the goal of teaching. Goal of teaching through, through training and all that is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. That's the, if you look at that verse again, talking about how it is bringing us to the fullness of, of Him. And how many of you enjoy learning? How many of you enjoy learning? Now, some of you, some of you maybe not so much. You know, if I have to do a lot of work, I don't know. But back in the day when you went to school, you, you learned. And some things you had to learn, but there are some things you just enjoyed learning. It, you just, I want to know more about this. Maybe you're the kind of person that's the documentary type. You get on Netflix or whatever, and you scroll through the movies and the shows, and you go, oh, a documentary, <laughs> and you click on that. And maybe it's something about World War One uh, or Two or whatever, history, or maybe it's how, to, how something's made, or those things. You just love looking at stuff like that, and you love learning. Maybe you're the type of person who loves learning because you look at YouTube instructional videos. <laughs> Man. I don't know what we did, how many years ago when we didn't have YouTube instructional stuff going on. Uh, I, I have so much, uh, <laughs> I, I, I admire my father-in-law for all that he can do, because he did all that stuff even before YouTube was going on with all those things, and he knew how to do those. He could have had his own YouTube channel. But uh, as far as those things, if there's something wrong with the car, oh, YouTube, got it. Google it, got it. You know, and up comes a video, and you'll be able to follow what they do. Incredible. Now, some of you enjoy the learning. Maybe you just go to YouTube, and you go, oh, how does that work? That's cool. Oh, that's what that does. That's how you repair that. Well, it doesn't need to be repaired right now, but hey, that's cool. And you just love learning. For me, <laughs> yeah, I'm a math geek. I love math, and so I got these books on my shelf, and I'll pull one off and go out of the shelf, and I'll look at it, and I go, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Let's try to work that problem. And I love math that way, so I'm just weird in that way. I'm, I'm a math geek. I like that stuff. But almost every teacher will tell you that the reward of good teaching is learning. When the student gets it, student understands it, then the teacher gets that reward right back. I think of Becky, and she being the choir director over at North Clackamas Christian School, and she takes a group of kids, boys and girls, some of them that are fairly well seasoned in music, they know it, they can read it, they, they got a good knowledge of it. Some of them are just, they have no idea what's going on. They look at the music and go on, <laughs> they don't know what's right. They have never read music before. Uh, all, and she takes that group, and by the end of the year, well, towards spring or whatever, they're able and equipped to be able to be competitive at, a, at the state level for choir competitions. It's incredible. And she's able to take a group of people like that and, 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 and help them learn, and the students learn, and they want to learn. 
because the way she teaches them as well, too. She'll teach them uh, songs that you know, with foreign languages in it, and she'll have a chart out, and she'll write out the word, uh, well, the, the, the verses and all that, but then she'll put up some phonetical uh, spelling as well for those different words. She might even draw some pictures by it that might help them remember what that, that French word is or Italian word is or Latin word is. And so she just has a knack of being able to help those, those students learn and want to learn as well, too. She does that with art as well with the elementary kids, and they just love her. And the reward then, of course, for that good teaching is the learning that happens with those students. And, and, and learning the scriptures together with other believers was something the early church was absolutely devoted to. Learning takes time, though, and can be difficult. You get across some of the scriptures there in, in, in the Bible, and you're going, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm sure in the mornings with Ben and the Bible study times that the men have been doing, there have been moments in Revelations they're just kind of scratching their head about going, what is going on with this verse? <laughs> and it takes time. Some of it's difficult. And you know what? Some of it we may never know this side of heaven, and we just take it by faith. But we, we, we search scripture. We we, we dig deep, we try to learn, and it takes time to do that. Learning requires your effort, and it requires your engagement and your attention. I'm reminded of the time during COVID when uh, all schools shut down and they went to distant learning. And Anthony was telling us, our, our oldest son teaches, and he was saying that during that time was horrible because you couldn't require students to get online and join you. They could get online and they could just kind of mute you, or they could just kind of do whatever else. Uh, all those things. It was just horrible. They weren't engaged. They weren't given effort. They, they weren't uh, giving you, the teacher the, the attention needed. Such a difficult time. But that's what learning requires is the effort and the, and the engagement and the attention. And the, the reward for all of that, though, is deeper understanding and deeper knowledge. So when you search out Scripture and you're, you're learning in, in the Bible discussion class or in a Bible study time, uh, in your devotions, digging deep in that is, is going to pay back. It's going to bring you incredible rewards as you search Scripture and learn more about that. I'm not, I'm not sure I know any follower of Christ who would say that they, they don't really want a deeper understanding of Scripture. <laughs> I'm good. I'm full. I got it. I, I, John 3.16 is good enough for me. I don't need any more. Or they don't want a, a deeper understanding of their faith. Why do you believe what you believe? I think people would want to dig deeper into that. Or ultimately have a deeper understanding of God. Who is this that we are following? Who is this that loves us? What is this nature? Who is he like? Why? <laughs> Why would he love us? All these things, these questions would lead, hopefully, into more learning, a deeper understanding of these things. And again, what we're after is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. And so if you're, you're a person who's thinking, well, that sounds good, I'd like to be part of those things. Well, we do. We have a Bible discussion class. It goes on at 9.30 before church, and you can join in on that. Mike leads that. Mike Grimm leads that class. They're looking at discipleship right now, what that looks like, and, 
and, and how uh, we can share your share of faith as well as uh, let other people know about how they can do the same thing. And we're looking at the possibility of starting a Bible study group on a, on a weekday. I'm in discussion with some people about that. And it could be in the afternoon, and we're looking to have adding something else here so we can uh, provide a little more opportunities for people to be able to do that. Now, if we have in the afternoon, I know it might leave some people out, but uh, just starting in a way where we can get some things going here for that. As a point of reference, Jesus said very plainly in the Great Commission that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them. And so we teach all of what Christ taught us, the fullness of His, of His training and our goal at the end of the day, our disciples equipped to teach others the fullness of the gospel as well. Which leads us to my next point here about teaching. We need to pass along the teaching. What is it that you learn? Then pass it along to others as well too. I think Paul says it best in his second letter to the younger pastor, Timothy. And the things you have learned me, excuse me, and the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Be able to help others learn what you've learned, pass it on to them, and that, that they could teach others. And if you're in the Bible discussion class, that's what you've learned about discipleship. It's learning about God, your relationship with Him, how to express it to other people, and helping those people learn how to do the same thing as well and pass it on, and pass it on, and pass it on. We need to be ready to be do that. And if we don't pass along our faith through reliable and sound teaching, then it will only be a few generations before the faith expires. If we don't keep it going, who will? And it's a sober thought, but it's, it's a reality if you aren't willing to teach, you aren't willing to train, aren't willing to share the fullness of your faith. Now, the good news is you don't have to be an ordained pastor to do it. You don't have to be a missionary to do it. You just have to be willing. And to be politically incorrect, I've used the term, you have to be fat. <laughs> you have to be fat. You have to be faithful, available, and teachable. We need to have fat Christians. <laughs> Ready to do that. Faithful, available, and teachable. Be able to express what God has done for them to pass it on to other people as well. Now think for a moment about the people around you every day. Who has God brought into your circle of influence? Just go back. Think about last week, last couple weeks. Who has God brought, brought into your circle of influence? And you haven't really noticed or realized that, realized it yet until now. You're thinking, oh yeah, a family member that hasn't been around a lot. Now he or she is. That coworker starts talking to me more now these days. That neighbor, that neighbor that, that I see more often now. Maybe God is ushering in people into your life that He wants you to teach a bit, teach a little bit. 
But who has God brought into your circle of influence? And think, where do you work? Who are the people around you there? Where do you live? And the neighbors that are around you as well, too. Where do you buy your coffee? Or where do you buy your groceries? Maybe there's people that you see uh, on a consistent basis. You're going, wait a second. This is like the fifth time this person's been here when I've been in line for coffee. And maybe strike up a conversation. God might be bringing some people in your circle of influence, and, and we just need to open our eyes up to it and realize what God is doing. Who can you share Christ with this coming week? Who might that be? And try not to stress too much over having all the answers to all the questions if you do end up in a situation where you're sharing with somebody. Because you won't have all the answers. <laughs> You'll have plenty of questions coming your way. And sometimes the honest answer is, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And let me get back to you on that one. Because <laughs> there's some questions that you're like, whoa, that's a good one. That's a good question. I don't think I have an answer yet for you, but I'll find one for you. But step out in faith. Trust that the scripture of God is useful in any and every situation you may encounter. Or said in another way, the fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. Every word of the Bible is God-breathed and God-ordained. It all matters. All helps. Which brings me to the final point here about teaching, is that we are fully capable because He is fully capable. He, meaning God. If you aren't sure where to start with your learning... Or you aren't sure if you can actually teach others the profound truths of the Bible. And again, let me say the fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. The fullness of Christ. As Scripture in Ephesians told us, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. That's to the fullest of the full. (laughs) Until we get to that point, we have teachers and pastors and those who are going to come alongside and help us learn and learn more and go deeper in our relationship. And as we do that, we're seeking the fullness of Christ in our lives. And as you seek the fullness of Christ in your life, you'll be well-equipped for the fullness of life. As God brings your way people who might need to hear hope, might need to hear good news, then you are the messenger to be able to do that. Later on in 2 Timothy, Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture. All Scripture. And it's good to remember that all Scripture is useful. And with that in mind, I would say that you just need to start somewhere. Start somewhere in your learning. Start somewhere in your sharing with someone else. And if you want to learn more, then get into a Bible study, like I said, or a Sunday school class. Buy a daily devotional. Learn at your own pace. The Bible app is a great place to start if you don't have one of those for your smartphone. If you have a smartphone, the Bible app is a wonderful place to start because they have a ton of devotionals there and you can go through. There's a lot of resources out there for us. Being able to start somewhere is a key thing. And if you want to become better at sharing your faith and teaching others, then maybe you want to start with the Gospels. Look through that and read through that. Refresh yourself 
of what Jesus did, His life, how He served, what He taught. Learn the good news of Christ for yourself so that you can teach and train others as well. And above all, (laughs) above all, be patient, be kind, and be uh, graceful and merciful. Not just with those that you're, you're talking to, but with yourself as well. We can be our worst critic. We can put ourselves down so fast. Why didn't I have that verse in mind? Oh, I should have shared that. How come I don't know who Jesus is in this area of my life? Why couldn't I learn that so I can share it to other people? You can just kick yourself all over the place about those things. Be patient. You're learning. Be kind to yourself. You're learning. Have mercy and grace for yourself. You're learning. God's bringing you along. He's going to teach you, equip you, so that you could be an effective witness for Him. Very key, though. And think for a moment, think for a moment about your favorite teacher. Maybe teachers, you might have more than one. Maybe it's in Sunday, from Sunday school class way back when. Maybe it's from some kind of uh, uh, school class back in school. Maybe it's a, a Bible study group that you're with and the teacher just has a knack of being able to lead and teach Scripture. Think for a moment about your favorite teachers. What quality really, or, or qualities, really resonated with you or inspired you? What was it about that person that could teach What was their their demeanor like? What did their voice sound like? Now, maybe you have a couple people in mind. Maybe you're thinking about some, and maybe you can't remember their name, but you just remember how they taught. I can remember, and from all the teachers, of course, that I've had in in school and, and, and such, one that pops out in my mind is a professor over at George Fox College at the time when I went, and his name was Hank Helsebeck. And in fact, he's still around. In fact, I was able to talk with him a few times in person, thanking him for being the professor that taught so well. And he was a professor of math. <laughs> I loved it. He taught math and in a higher level math. So it was just make my brain just kind of scramble sometimes. But, but the thing that he did, though, to start off class, he'd come on in, sit down. We're sitting in our desk. And he'd sit down on a desk and and he'd face us, and he'd look at us and say, you know, and he'd take the first 10 minutes, and he'd say, he'd say, you know what? God has been teaching me today. And he would share what he was learning through his devotions that he had in the morning. And he would share how he was challenged by God. He would share how he's still struggling through that or working through that. And he would, he would reveal to us his journey. He wasn't there just to teach us math. He was there to help us see how God is active and living and helping him grow as a Christian. It was inspiring to me as well, too. But he was, he was so knowledgeable about math. It was incredible. And he was able to explain some of those things in such a great way. But he was also very humble, very humble, and wouldn't take the knowledge that he has and just use it against us or something. He was a great teacher, great teacher. Another professor that comes to mind as well, too, and wasn't at George Fox, but it was at the School of Ministry, Pacific Evangelical School of Ministry. 
and it was my seminary that I went through and got a Master of Ministry back in the day. I was the second class that graduated in that, uh, that school when it started up, <laughs> and we were the big class of one, <laughs> myself. And, uh, but I remember oh, the professors that came through and taught us the different things. One was about Christian history. And I thought, oh, let me just stay awake, please. I don't want to fall asleep. Christian history, oh my goodness. But the guy who brought the lesson each day about this, and of course it was, uh, we had four sessions a year, and it was uh, like four days uh, in, during the session. So he would come each of the days of those sessions, and he would teach us those things. And he, you probably know his last name, as I say, but uh, Mark Weinert, Dr. Mark Weinert, he was a professor at George Fox College, and he did Christian history, but I never had him during that time. I finally got him at the School of Ministry. And he would just sit down, and he would just have a conversation talking about like he was there in Christian history, and he would just talk about the different things that went on, sharing about the different personalities, how they did these different things, and what, that, what this led to another thing, and another event, and down here. And he was just like telling the stories like he was there. And it just captivated us. We were like, wow. And we forgot to take notes because he was just talking to us. Incredible. It's so knowledgeable as well, too. But his enthusiasm for Christian history was just overwhelming. He loved it. And as he would tell these stories, he'd get kind of a smile on his face for some of these stories that were kind of peculiar. It was great. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention teachers that uh, are around us as well in these days. And we know of teachers that have taught other people, maybe our kids, maybe our grandkids, and being able to uh, uh, acknowledge that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention again my wife, Becky. The way she teaches is just incredible. She loves to help kids learn. Love to help them see what's going on. She, for music, she's passionate about music, passionate about it and, and what it means and, and how it's just the emotions of, of music and the words coming together just expresses so much at times. And for her to be able to convey that to the students is incredible. And then her ability to inspire the students to learn and do better. She's incredible at that. She's gifted in that way, passionate about music and art and inspirational to those students. But if you think about it, those, those characteristics, being knowledgeable about the subject, being humble as well, be enthusiastic and passionate about the subject you're teaching, and of course, being inspirational to the students to be able to learn, those are great qualities of a teacher. And we've all had great teachers at some point in our lives, but as believers, it's important to remember we have the greatest example anyone could ever ask for in Jesus. He's all these things and more. And we can learn from Him through His Word. What He's done, like I said, through the Gospels, we could go back through there and, and, and be reminded of what He's done. But He is fully capable, fully loving, and He alone is able to fully redeem even the worst of sinners. When you're feeling discouraged, maybe you're feeling incapable or ill-equipped, just stop for a moment and remember, you are able in Christ. You are able. You are fully capable. 
And my prayer is that we be fully devoted to the one who is fully capable in each and every situation. Devote our lives to the one who has redeemed us. <laughs> and when we're feeling weak, we need to remember his grace is sufficient for every situation and every circumstance life may bring our way. His grace is sufficient for us. So when we step out in faith, realizing there's somebody in our circle of influence that has entered in, been there for a bit, if we step out in faith and be able to share what Jesus has done for us or somehow build that relationship so you can do that, God is going to equip you. Jesus is going to go before you. He is fully capable, which means we are fully capable as we follow Him and connect ourselves to Him. But the earliest church was absolutely devoted to their faith. And as we wrap up today and as we continue our series together, I think it's worth asking some questions. Some questions throughout these next Sundays that we come together. One of the questions is, what are you devoted to? Now, it probably changes every now and then what it might be. Maybe you have a number of things that you're devoted to, and maybe the level of devotion kind of varies back and forth a bit. But what are you devoted to? Take that, that list or that group of things that you have that you're devoted to. What does it look like? What things capture your attention and your affection? Where are you putting your energy every day? Where is it going? And if you ask these questions and you find yourself thinking about all kinds of things other than faith, then it may be a good time to reset your priorities. No shame, no condemnation, just a willingness to acknowledge your focus has drifted from faith and is set on other things. And that's why we're here during these days and Sundays, to be, be able to recalibrate where we're at. Be reminded of where our focus needs to be. If that's true for you and you need to turn from those other things, please remember God is ready and willing to receive you in that way. Bring you back in. Get you back on course. Get your focus on where it needs to be. One of the most powerful teachings in the New Testament is the prodigal son who strays from home and eventually returns, his father literally runs, runs out to meet him as he's coming there. This picture reminds us that our Heavenly Father is eagerly awaiting our return as well. So, step out in faith. Step out in faith this week. Refocus your attention and, and your affection back onto Jesus back unto Christ, and find some good biblical teaching to listen to along the way. It will strengthen, it will encourage you on your journey. After all, what we're after is nothing short of the fullness of Christ, what we're aiming for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. <clears throat> and I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that needs to uh, acknowledge that you've tapped them on the shoulder about some things that they're devoted to, their, their list of devoted things might not quite match up with what you want us to have. 
Lord, if there's something like that going on in our life and we need to do business with you, I pray, Lord, that we would do just that. And if it's the altar that we need to come to, we can do that. We can also do it right where we're at as well, too. But just to be able to create that, that, that moment and that opportunity, that, that setting to have you come and speak to our hearts and for us to respond in obedience to what you have for us. So, Lord, whatever that might be, I pray that we, we would respond in obedience and we would say yes, Lord, to what you have for us today. Help us, Lord, to step out in faith about that, to trust in you, to acknowledge that you know better than what we would know for our own lives, and that you would remind us that you will equip us all along the way if, if you're going to use us in someone else's life. So, Lord, I pray that you help us see where we are devoted in our lives to things other than our faith. Bring us back to you, Lord. I pray that you give us, give us a hunger for biblical teaching. <laughs> that is nothing short of the fullness of Christ in our lives. Lord, thank you for this time together, and thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And as we sing these songs here at the end, I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to minister to us and that we would continue to acknowledge you have full reign in our life. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.